Now is your time to flinch. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? I am your moderator, and this is the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. We got another great show lined up for you today. We're gonna to be continuing the discussion we had a few weeks ago on depression. And to do that, we have brought in our own professional, Mr. Curtis Taylor. What's happening, sir? How's everybody doing? We're good, we're good. Hey man, before we get into the rest of the guys, I want to give you an opportunity to give a, a little bio of what you do in the field and you know how you impact uh, the mental health. Um, uh, wow. Uh, I have over seven years uh, of experience as a life coach and I work with everyone from celebrities to executives, to everyday people to young men of color. Um, I just recently completed my master's from Columbia in uh, psychology. And Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate yeah. it. Very well. Very well. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I've come a long way since chaos. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to get into a little bit of that. We got fresh over there. He's like, oh, yes, chaos. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I really, um, you know, some of my clients do have, uh, you know, clinically diagnosed uh, mental health issues. And, and um, you know, I'm very passionate about the subject, especially when it comes to, to men of color, because I don't think that there is a loud enough uh, voice or, or a conversation going on about it. I think there's, you know, some murmurs of it, but I don't think there's right. any really, really big happening. So, like, I'm really, really excited to be here. And, I'm, you know, again, it's something I'm very, very passionate about. Glad to have you, man. Let us not forget, he mentioned chaos, but of course, we have another UM alum on the podcast. So, go Kings, man. We here all day. All day, baby. We cover the globe, man. Every every area, we got it. Easy, yes, easy. So let me introduce the rest of my guys, man. As always, we got our beloved intern, Jay Dace. What's up, uh, T.I.? What it is, young sucker, what it do? Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. You right up my alley this week. BJ, Mr. Logistics, what's going on? What's good, man? Glad to be here. Glad to be back. We were off last week, man, but we got to get this show rolling, man. I know, Can't man. Get, that hurricane get the people was what they want. That hurricane was crazy. We're going to get into that. Got to get the people what they want. Mike yeah, D, right. Mr. Deacon Rubra. What's happening? Mr. Mm -hmm. Rudolph, Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Easy. And Mr. Fresh Ovation, DJ Barry B. Fresh. What's yes, going on? Yes, sir. Hola. Como te llamas? All that good stuff. Fresh back with my new tan. Y'all see off vacation after that uh, whole Irma catastrophe. But we here. We in the building. We ready. Fresh Jam of the Week is coming at you. It's crazy, man, because you had Irma come through, and then like two days later, Fresh was like, "Oh yeah, but I'm still hopping on this plane. I'm going to uh, Mexico. Yeah, we, finna we, finna we finna handle this thing, man. We finna hey, have a good hey. time." There was there was two things that needed to happen in order for that that plane ride to still go down. One was to make sure we still had shelter. The home was, you know, luckily left unscathed. But then the most important thing was making sure we had power. When that came back on within 24 hours, I said, adios, I'm going to be <laughs> headed to Mexico. So we that made was, that trip. That was a good, that was a good self-care move. Ian. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. It really was. I, the same thing I told my girl, like my wife did, shoot, it came, our power came back on Tuesday night. I looked at like, they didn't know the reason. I busted my butt on Wednesday. Wednesday night, we was clear. Thursday morning, hopped on plane, let's go. And we out. So if you're wondering why Coach K isn't here, it's because the guys left him in Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't make it back. He didn't make it back. Yep. 
But uh, next week, we'll make sure we get all the tidbits of his uh, solo trip and everything. And uh, Faison, he's out, you know, trying to have a baby right now. Uh, congratulations to him and his wife, man. Exactly. Safe delivery. Yes, yes. For all of that healthy yeah. baby. Young family. AC, let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, young AC, Faison. Yes, yes. Keeping it cool. <laughs> Easy. But about this hurricane, though, man. So, BJ, you were majorly impacted. Fresh, you were majorly impacted. I saw the videos and the footage and everything. Downtown Miami was a freaking river, you know what I'm saying? River, so how, how, how much yeah. uh, devastation did y'all have to go through? Uh, we were blessed down here. Like I can say we we got spared a lot of the growth of it. Um, community was it totally changed. Now you drive to the community is like a totally different place. You got light, it just feels different because trees are missing and the skyline is just different from trees. But um, no major damage here. Um, we lost uh, some roof tiles are loose. Um, Got to get that repaired. But other than that, I lost a tree into the neighbor's pool. So for them, it kind of <laughs> sucked their fence into their pool. But, um, you know, of course, being a neighbor, being a good guy, he helped them clean it up, get it up. Right. Um, but, yeah, man, we've been blessed. We lost power for three days. Um, but, you know, we're good now. No complaints. Easy. Fresh, you and the fam all straight up there? What's yeah, you know, <clears throat> I think the craziest thing was the um, the lead up. I, I don't I don't know that we've had a storm that that allowed so much um, hysteria at the end of the day for so long. We had over a week of you know shelves being empty, gas shortages appearing, yeah. you know people uh, fleeing their homes and 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 their businesses. That it was a lot to handle, compacted into that week. And then for, you know, the the spread of where it was going to hit, the type of damage it was going to do, when it was going on, I will say that was definitely one of the most powerful storms I've ever witnessed as far as, you know, being able to, to really hear and listen to what was going on, see what was going on. I, I'm blessed with uh, clear shutters. And so I was actually watching, you know, stuff flying around and seeing the real impact. So it was definitely... Um, it was definitely a powerful storm, and it was uh, a very eye-opening of the the possibilities of what we're doing with, um, you know, uh, environmental issues and, and what we're really doing to the environment that's allowing these type of powerful storms to be created um, and do the damage that they're causing. So it's very eye-opening to see the possibilities, especially in places that didn't take a direct hit of how much damage was suffered. Right. One thing yeah. I do want to address, because um, some people ask, like, y'all crazy for staying, and um, why'd you guys decide to stay, whatever, but for for me, it was family. Um, me and my immediate family, we could pick up and leave. We had the opportunity to, but my wife, her family is all down here, and my mom and stepfather down here, and it's just not as easy to say, okay, we're going to go and leave you guys not knowing what we're coming back to. Right? I'd rather have, we had everybody at our house, so... Is, is everybody coming together, pool resources, and we're going to survive together. But I also want to think, because a lot of people that are out of state, they're seeing pictures. You got, one of the things you got to understand is the media is going to make it seem the worst possible measure ever. Sensational. They're going to shut stream yeah. scenario. Right. Yeah. So when you see, when I had people calling me, I swear from Tuesday saying, the governor said it's an evacuation of the entire state. There's no way they can evacuate the entire state of Florida, first of all. <laughs> Where they go? Yeah. The roads? I, exactly. First of all, people don't understand how many people are here. That If everybody got a road, nobody's going anywhere. Secondly, like, 
you gotta realize the the disparity of wealth that's in South Florida. Yes. There are a lot of people who can't afford to leave. This is all they have. An extra fifty dollars in gas is gonna break them for the next month, two months. So and it won't you got, just be that extra fifty because if you remember, like when it, I heard of it's stories the of people effect. like no. fourteen hours just to get to Orlando. It like, was right. watching so it, that, the migration. The Where are they going? Yeah, right. exactly. Watching the you migration. Um, Jason said that he was staying in like a, a pretty much crackhead hotel, you know, after it was all said and done, trying to make that decision on when to leave. I know me personally, it was more based on the fact that I would rather, um, in a sense, be at ground zero to sort the pieces out than I want yeah. to be, you know, somewhere else and not have a true understanding of what's going on with my property. I would, I would rather know and be able to deal with it than to be seeing that, oh, you know, there's a possibility everything was fine with your property, but everybody else around you, you know, had issues. So now they raided your property and you, and right. you don't have anything, you know? So I didn't want to leave that out there. Right. We, did, we deal with so much. A lot of the schools I'm, I, I deal with are low income neighborhoods, high, po high poverty, whatever, low SES, no matter what label you want to give it, right? People can't just pick up and leave. It's not that they, they don't have a choice. So to tough it out and the type of housing that they have in those situations are deplorable. So when shelters open up and they had, I swear at Miami-Dade, they had 13 to 15 schools at shelters. Broward had about the same thing. Mm -hmm. This is the only place they, they have to go. So it's not as easy. People don't, people make it seem this easy to pick up and leave, but we're in South Florida. To get out of the state yeah. is gonna take you four and a half hours on minimum at a normal in that day it like you said somebody's people is taking 14 15 hours to get to atlanta which normally takes about six and a half to seven hours depending on who's drop let's put it that way but also too like these these hurricanes are like out of the world like they're not ordinary hurricanes right. it was like Correct. there's no preparation for it like there's no planning and so now i think the city and the city officials now can start to plan and have like better uh escape plans I hope, I, yeah, I hope it's, it's a progressive thing that you know yeah. every time it's seeing something new and different and then now trying to understand it's the same not just understanding the preparation of how you know people are going to evacuate but also preparing you know grounds and and, and drainage systems and ways mm -hmm. to you know combat and, and and you know increasing building codes and understanding i think the most relief i had up until the storm was when my neighbor let me know that my house was built to withstand a category four hurricane. Right. And so, you know, exactly. So up until then I was on the nervous edge of, you know, last thing, I think my, my biggest fear was, uh, you know, kind of getting the alerts that, Hey, there's tornadoes going crazy. Let me, uh, all of us got to jump in this closet now. So we go into the closet we brave the storm. We, uh, you know, wake up the next morning, open up the door to, you know, like Nothing. pretty much our closet is the only thing that was standing in eyesight. And, and you know, that was the type of uh, image that was playing over and over in my head because of the hysteria that the media was putting on the storm. And but also seeing the, the, the buildup in the fact that, you know, there's never been a category four from, you know, pretty much inception all the way across the ocean. But I think it's also, um, I, I live or hold on to, you know, they say that they come the same route as slave ships and that it's, you know, that spirit, that, 
that you know uh, emotion and everything of all the slaves that have passed that it that's the power that it brings so for me i also like to keep in mind that a lot of people in florida period south florida they've lived through a lot of these hurricanes mm -hmm. and so are the dangers some of the danger zones are typically like the keys or some places in the gulf like my family was in tampa and you know when it was set to hit Miami and the East Coast and ride up, I was really worried about y'all, but then it shifted and it, it changed to the West Coast. I'm supposed to ride up and work. And so now I'm worried about them as well because they're going to get the brunt of the storm. But when it hits landfall, people hear category four, not really understanding what that means as far as like the wind and the rain, if they've never been through it. So like I've been through like several hurricanes. So I know like, yes, it is devastating. That wind will take you off the ground, but if you're in an area where your houses are built to code, you have the preparation or the means to get to a shelter, it's not always something that you can't live through. Now, if you're living on the beach or in downtown Miami, where it was like uh, a river, basically through the city, yeah, you, you need to move a little bit further inland. But for those people who, you know, make that preparation and then live further inland and aren't in the immediate danger zones or those flood areas, they can absolutely withstand the storm. You just have to be smart in your preparation. So, you know, you can't really go for, like you said, BJ, the sensationalism of the media and everything when it comes to these storms. But the sensationalism wants to trigger anxiety and trigger fear. And people and I think also why some people also didn't leave is because you know like the the fight or flight syndrome is like sometimes people they just they they're not there they're checked out yeah so like they're not aware that this is really happening right exactly you know I mean well the impact and it's look there's still empty shelves down here like yeah. there's still you'll go into the grocery there's store and there's no nothing power, right there's still places yeah. no power right now you will right. go to the grocery store and there's no frozen food at all there's no milk at all you know, like it's it's still the ripple effect of what happened. The people still trying to get back down. You know, the 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 issues with roadways and everything. It's still going to take a long time to recover. Right, but I know who is loving it. Those University of Miami students who don't got mm. to school till yeah, next they, Monday. Two weeks. But two they, weeks. But they have to make it up though, right? Uh, they I'm probably gonna sure condense the something. condense the school yeah, year and then do something with the finals or whatever. That's what they did that one year. We got those uh those three or four hurricanes back to back. Okay. We ended up having to take. There wasn't really uh the, they got rid of the reading days, and yeah. you um they they almost put it to the option where your teacher or your professors could tell where you whether you could take your. Exam you or not. Okay, gotcha. So they might have to go without having like final exams and just go through the work because it might not be enough time to prep for. It. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know what was the craziest part for me, uh, uh, B? Yo, that spider that VJ took a picture of. Man, <laughs> listen. Okay, hold on. You trying to make me depressed by sending that? that no, that was Carol, actually. It didn't want even you. That, I'm blaming that one on Carol. I didn't put it in, I didn't put it in gotta, there. We got to throw that on the page, man. We got to throw that up on, on the book. Yeah, that Yo, thing was boy. huge. Right, yeah. Man, the storm that carried some some spider from like West Barbuda oh, yeah. all the way to South like Florida. He, and now yeah. that thing is going to be down there and creating this whole a whole Yo, nother ecosystem. And we finna have some like talk. spawn Dawn of the Dead type junk going on. <laughs> that this thing was like a good two, three inches long. That thing looked crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's, like, like, it's a spider that, that made Spider-Man Spider-Man. 
Exactly. That's There's no way a good a good hero that's comes out of that spot. That's that's carnage. That's venom. Yeah, that's carnage. But we're glad that everybody made it out safely. We would definitely want to send all our condolences and thoughts to those who are still dealing with the carnage. Make sure that if you know you can find efforts, we weren't able to find anything. Uh, prior to the podcast, but I know the University of Miami is going to be active within the community, you know, and all of our families that are in spread out throughout the state of Florida, you know, be safe, continue to persevere. That thing is terrible. I don't know if um, yeah, it's too much light. Yeah, it's too much light. We're going to throw it up there see, on, you on, see on the, the Facebook You see page. the yeah, logistics of the body. You get the ideal. You see the legs on that thing. <laughs> it's terrible, bro. I'm having flashbacks already. But moving right along, we want to get into this uh, this discussion, man, centered around dep- depression since we have Purvis here. Uh, one of the first things I want us to do is, um, you know, I was talking to Purvis prior to the podcast, and you alluded to the different types of depression. So I think we want to go ahead and kind of lay those out for the people first. Well, you know, you have clinical depression where it's like somebody just naturally is just born with depression and they, there's nothing that triggered it. They just have it, right? Like some right. people have, like some people are born with bipolar. Like if you look under uh, an MRI scan, like their brains look different. That's just, they were born like that, right? And then you have what most people experience and that is like affective depression, meaning that something externally triggered something to cause them to be depressed. So maybe it's like um, not meeting a goal. Maybe it could be uh, the, the, the downfall of a relationship. It can be losing a job. It can be a hurricane, losing everything. It can be a divorce. I mean, it can be many things, but it's something external that causes the depression. Okay, okay. And then, you know, how does that, I guess, feed into it? So when you know the causes or whatever, and these little triggers, like, is it some? Is it something like inside of us or that's innate that, um, I guess, counters or keeps us from being able to deal with those those situations? Well, I think a lot of us are unconscious to the fact that we are depressed. Um, gotcha. We're very good at masking, and you know, social media doesn't help. Uh, uh, so I have, yes. I have, I have, uh, <laughs> I had a married couple who were on the brink of divorce but they were always posting pictures every day like they were happy and i'm like mm. what are you guys doing i'm like you guys are about to there's so many people living that you know what i mean so it's like a lot the lie you know what it is is so many of us we don't want to we don't want to feel we don't want to go through and the mm-hmm. way out and the way out is through and so we want to we've been hurt so bad and we and we've been uh we've conditioned ourselves to not deal with the pain to not deal with things that we just we push it to the side, we suppress it. And then what happens is is that, you know, once you a closet can only hold so much. And then we right. have breakdowns. Right. And I think one of the big things amongst men is just that. And it, it stems, Absolutely. you know, we talked about that hyper masculinity situation. Absolutely. Where, you know, we are it's weak to discuss these feelings or these emotions, you know, amongst our peers or even with anybody else who might be able to help us through that situation. Um, when you encounter that with you know the people who you help with your life coaching, how do you kind of overcome those things? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to uh, break a mindset. You know, that's not that can't be done in one one session. That's something right. that's be done over time. And and neurologically speaking, uh, the neuroscience behind it, our brains are conditioned for negativity, right? Which is why it's easy for you to recall a negative experience quicker than a positive experience. And so what you have to do is neuropla- what is called neuroplasticity, which is rebuilding the brain from posit- positive experiences. And that's a, that's 
analogous also to a mindset. It's the same principle. You have to build a positive mindset. Um, I just think it. I just think it's it, it's a challenge because it's like it has to be like a wide conversation as opposed to like an individual thing. You get what I'm saying? So because, more than just one person. Yeah. Or you gotta think. Okay. Well, because to really affect change, because the biggest threat to 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 any progress is the culture at large. Exactly. So if the culture at large is about hyper masculinity and defining masculinity is this, and you have one person fighting against it, that you know what I mean? That's that that is that's a, an extreme challenge. And it's really hard to get people to like go to that place of vulnerability, right? You know, it, right? I, and I was gonna say, I was I was gonna say, and you know, conditioning, especially men, for us to to understand that vulnerability is a strength. But you got to be judicious and discerning about who you're vulnerable and what you're vulnerable about. But vulnerability is is a strength because if you're not vulnerable, think about it like this: if you want to succeed in life, you got to be vulnerable to failing. If right, you, you got to take love, chances. You got to take. It's a risk factor. If you want to be in love, you got to be vulnerable to getting hurt. And if we don't understand that, then we, you know, it's a lot of brothers out there hurting. Mm-hmm. A lot of them out there hurting, and right. they view vulnerability as as a weakness. And it, it, and again, it's really a strength. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm really glad, you know, that that's that's the big thing we're trying to break down here. Um, you know, you, you alluded to the group, you know, discussions. I mean, we've alluded to the, the same the, the discussions that they have with 444 and the footnotes and how Jay-Z kind of laid all of that out, man. It's like yeah. it's almost like we're, we're putting together the pieces to that blueprint, to building that foundation to kind of overcome some of that hyper masculinity, because the last thing. I feel we want as fathers is to continue to pass that thing that down to our children. So, you know, that's where I want to kind of go next is how, you know, almost the sins of the father affect the son, but how we end up passing that down and how it affects our children. So we can counteract that as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like my, my father, he, uh, he passed away from a, a heroin overdose, but one of the things, but one of the things that he taught me was to be vulnerable and, 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 and transparent. So I remember he sat he sat us down, me, me, my sister and brother, and he sat us down one day and told us that he had a drug problem and that it was damaging his marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And that one thing that he did stayed with me, and that is the the grounding from which I build my coaching practice on, being transparent and being vulnerable, right? right? And so that's something that he passed along to me, and and I realized that. Um, it was it was a freedom to it because he did remain clean for a while after that and he just you know he had a moment of weakness and like i think he was clean for maybe like 10 years and then he had a moment of weakness and then it was like you know when you're 50 you can't do yeah. it when you was 30. yeah um, but but again uh it was something that was taught to me and i had to find my own way because i was hurting and screaming inside and i was in a lot of pain now, i don't like i i can't deal with anxiety and I know so many people who have to take medicine for it. I know so many people who who struggle with anxiety, and it's like it's not fun. So I was like, I want to be free. I gotta tell. I gotta talk. I gotta get this off of me. And that's how you worked on getting to that freedom. You were just expressive Absolutely. about it. Like, who were you expressive about it with? Like, how did you find that? I guess not necessarily accountability partner, but that listening ear to help you through it. Well, I'm I'm a man of faith. I literally like laid on the floor prostrate for like like every night crying out to God. And I spoke to, you know, mentors and some pastors in my church. And um, I actually went to therapy, which which I highly recommend. It's it's awesome. 
And, um, you know, I, I believe God just put some, you know, wonderful people in my life to hold me accountable. Gotcha. That, that, that I can be transparent with, yeah. Yeah, that therapy piece is is huge, man. It, it, it's really huge. Um, you know, when <laughs> it's crazy hearing you talk like that uh, because, you know, we, we go through these situations like every, every day as men. But that's the last thing we want to do is go talk to a stranger about our problems. It's like, if we can't talk to our spouse about it, what makes you think that I'm going to go and possibly pay someone if you can't get a job to get that professional help? But here's the thing is that, you know, men in general, we, you know, are, as far as like emotional intelligence, we we're quite low. So a lot uh, of times, you know, I'm not, <laughs> company excluded. Present company excluded. No, that's fair, but, man. No, no. But, that's a fair statement. Uh, but, you know, we don't have the language for what it is that we're experiencing. We don't know how to say that we're overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Like, that's the very, you know, that's not a man's. That's a lot of times, yeah. As a man, you're not supposed to be a woman. You're supposed to be the one who can handle anything. Yep, thousand things thrown at you, you can handle a thousand and two. Let's go. But, but, but see, that's a false narrative. Because who can do that? Nobody can. And that's why I end up having, you know, nervous breakdowns and 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 so many people are on meds, like record numbers. So oh, yeah, on prescription medicine right now for depression and for anxiety. For Let's talk about that. For it's that, that being right pushed to cope and, and suppress things instead of talk about and get them in the open to you know actually get over them and understand but, why. But that's what I was gonna say. Is like a lot of us don't know that we don't know that we don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like a lot of us don't understand the pathology of why it is that we are depressed, right? Because there's a pathology to it, and it's something that is built and learned over time. Just like you know, not to be controversial, even some forms of schizophrenia are a coping mechanism, right? So that they, it, you know, it's built in a process over time mm-hmm. to protect themselves, and it's like we we protect ourselves. So like if you can't just go to a therapist and just say, I'm feeling depressed about this. No, more more often than not, that depression was something that's been lingering for a long time. And mm-hmm. now it's coming, the depression is now speaking so loud that you got to say something about it. Mm-hmm. And then you become so detached. We become so detached as a society and as, as men that we can't even trace to where it came back from. And so you got to spend at least a good six months to yep. a year in therapy digging. to dig in just to get to the mm-hmm. pathology. I understand, what, man. It was yeah. because I didn't get that apple when I was two years old. Right. Bro. <laughs> you know right. I mean? Listen, listen, straight up. I, to this day, if you tell me you're going to do something for me and you don't do it, I'm devastated. Why? Because my dad told me when I was five, he was going to take me fishing. And I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and he did not take me fishing. That stayed with me. And now I understand why I'm that way. About You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't get to that that place in, until yeah I was you didn't know that you didn't, know, didn't that know that that's how you were handling it from before and why yeah right and so emotionally I was still five years old wow you understand what I'm saying so what happens wow. is like we're 37 but we're really five years old emotionally mm-hmm. and that's because we haven't been given right because we have not been given the language or we don't know how to process our emotions so as a society they're building us to to be something robots that we can't be we're humans we're flesh and blood like there's no way we can be who society wants us to be that definition of, of what masculinity is so it yeah. sounds like you, like we need to be more intentional because if we leave it up to nature 
Uh, I've heard many times that the brain is built or we are built as humans to survive. Like that's like our core, like uh, we just, that's, what, that's what we're designed to do. So, right. And so we're built to survive, right? Which is coping, right? Which is what exactly, exactly. But, but you have to program yourself to thrive. And yeah. that's a step beyond survival. Exactly, and that's what we so, have to do as men. That transition. Yeah, we have to. We have to. We have. We can no longer settle for just making it and surviving mentally. We got to get to a place where we thrive, and we want to create a wonderful legacy for our children. And that is very important. That that point right there is very important. And the things that you do to get yourself to thrive, it, it's amazing. You spoke about that freedom. I'm going to speak about the weight. Like when you start expressing yourself and, you know, your emotional intelligence grows a little bit or a lot yeah. of it. Because for me, it took a while. And I spoke about it the last time, you know, how my, my lady always begging, begging for me to, you know, be more expressive. I mean, we just had a conversation about this like yesterday. It's about some mm -hmm. stuff that's going on that I'm just not really ready to talk about. Right. But when we find those instances or those issues, and I actually do let it off my chest, you know, whether it be the same day or a few days later, the release is yes. the it's release. Real. It's no, like it's that yeah, dopamine yeah. starts it's going exhale. off. That dopamine yeah. starts going off. And then think about it. You mentioned you mentioned dopamine, right? So then I think BJ, you mentioned that the schools you work with, a lot of the kids are impoverished impoverished communities, right? Mm-hmm. The dopamine receptors are, are their brains are wired differently when you grow up in right. impoverished settings. So like their dopamine receptors are not even working properly. Yep. So then you're dealing with that, right? So many of us, so if you grow, if you didn't grow up in a regular nuclear home, mom and dad type right. of situation, your dopamine receptors are not normal in comparison to a child who had a two parent home, who grew up in a normal, quote unquote, normal situation. So you're already at a disadvantage. You understand right. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's imperative. And so so not, I'm not saying uh, all, all black men or, or, or men in general didn't have fathers growing up, but there's a lot who did not have fathers mm -hmm. growing up. Right. So you got to think that added on to everything else. Gotcha. Gotcha. You you wanna go to oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to go back to the, medi the, the medication portion of it. Yeah. Um, in your experience, you know, how is it really that effective when they put people on these like antidepressants? Because I have um, I have a few friends that have gone through rough times and they've been on yeah. these things or had to go on it for a, a period of time. And even though it took them kind of out of that depressed state, it turned them into something it's that something even they didn't even like. Mm -hmm. You know, they became like shells of themselves. Their personality zombies. had that so, so here's the thing, right? We have to, like, persecution is part of life, right? Down time, depression is not necessarily a bad thing, right? You have, you sometimes have to go through a depression to, to become something, something new, to grow in life, right? And I think the problem is, is like, we wanna, we wanna absolve ourselves from the pain, but sometimes it's the pain that makes you grow. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think immediately when we start feeling depression, and like now because we're so money driven and you have these pharmaceutical companies that sponsor these therapists, right mm -hmm. so they're gonna throw the medication at you and here's the thing like there's evidence and studies that show there are people that are curing themselves with schizophrenia and multiple personalities and part of what they're doing is taking ownership for their lives and ownership for the mistakes that they've made or the pain that they've caused other people and face the truth and really really a lot of anxiety is triggered by repressed guilt mm -hmm. you understand so what, what i'm saying so, so once you start 
owning your life and taking responsibility for certain things that a lot of that stuff subsides mm -hmm. and, and a lot of stuff that people are going through like listen we all I, I'm positive that all of us can share a, a very sad story of, of life that what we've been through right all of us can but we made it through exactly and we're no different than other people and, and I'm not saying that some people uh that medicine doesn't work there are some instances where medicine is is appropriate like i said there are some people literally who have bipolar but not everybody has bipolar that number is that number that they're giving is 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 largely inflated it's very few people who actually have bipolar disorder gotcha gotcha the other thing i wanted to hit on man um i thought was really really it was a crazy statistic when i looked at the uh suicidal attempts yes our youth so yes. you know when i was doing my research i found that um you know the suicide attempts were growing amongst our african-american youth past those of other races right. now yeah. and i know you had mentioned that you had looked up some uh numbers that were showing that the actual suicide rate like people were successfully committing suicide at a rate much higher than our white counterparts or other races within america yeah really young men of color yes and i really think it's important that we we hone in on that especially as fathers so that we can uh you know impact that in a negative way we want that number to go down but it's crazy how much our children are suffering with these things and sometimes as parents we may we may never know yes um because you got to think about it it was some stuff you going through that your parents didn't know exactly right but i definitely you will i will tell you the impact that you guys will have on your children by being what you the example for them will make it safer than to come talk to you and i always encourage fathers i said tell share with your sons or your daughters something about yourself that you probably normally wouldn't share with them because that creates what it does right you are you are in the practitioner seat and your child is in the patient see mm -hmm. right so you guys are kind of like therapists right and so the space between you guys is called an intersubjective field right that's where transformation happens right but because of the way society's built people love a story people are attached to a story no matter if it's if it's millennials or baby boomers everybody's attached to a story so i always encourage fathers tell them a story about yourself that doesn't paint you in a flattering light because what mm -hmm. that does is that makes a level playing field and they will open up to you I've you're seen it not perfect. Over you're not perfect. You're not. You haven't yeah. always been perfect. It's you have not always been perfect. Hundred percent. That yeah. is the, the truth. The more, and I think that too many people get uh, obviously caught in trying to be best friends instead of understanding. Like you have a job as a parent of you know raising a new member of society, and Absolutely. it's okay if they are upset because you're not allowing them to do something that they shouldn't do or not have something that they shouldn't have. It's okay for a child, a human being, anybody to cry and be upset, especially when it's validated. Yes, you should be upset that you did something wrong and you, you know, now there's a punishment. And, mm -hmm. and yes, that punishment should be absorbed. You should feel the pain of it and the understanding of, okay, I did something wrong. So you can correlate and relate it to what's going on and then be a better person moving on to know, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't do those things that, you know, are, are are getting me in trouble or that are, you know, causing me, uh, you know, to have my parents be angry at me. Right, and they'll open that up once you once you make it safe for them to do so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, yep. I mean, it's, it, it's, like I said, like when my dad told us that he had a drug problem, that made, made it safe for me to tell him things about me. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So forming that relationship, building that bridge, very, very important. Be intangible. 
being yes. tangible as a parent. Yeah, especially when you get into those, you know, middle school, high school years, man, because that's when the disconnect seems to happen mm -hmm. you know, much more. Well, that's where the, you know, the frontal lobe is forming and, and the, and, you know, neural pathways are developing. So it's like, it's got to get them there. Got to get right. them there. Yeah. Got you. One more thing I want to hit on as far as the adults are concerned. Um, Fresh shared a, a story with us um, about a breakup he had in college and how that was like a really big trigger for him and it kind of sent him you know into a depressed state that for a moment you know he came out of it or whatever but um how how often do you see or how often how best is it to deal with when you have that breakup with or feel like you've lost a piece of yourself in that situation so that we're able to help those that are kind of currently going through that or have gone through that in the past well, I mean, listen, it, I mean, a breakup is very terrible. Even if it's a friendship, it, it's terrible because this is somebody who you become vulnerable with, right? Who has been a safe space for you. And to know that, that you know, what what what, he's, what he missed was more than just, I'm sure, intimacy, the, the physical intimacy, but it was the emotional intimacy that he also missed as well. That's what we really missed. And, and the way a person made you feel, right? And that's a hard thing to uh, let go of. Right, mm -hmm. because it's like, how often does it happen? Right, you know what I mean. So it's it, it, it's a real thing, and it's not it's nothing. Uh, it's expected and it's normal. To be honest with you, it's normal. Now, when it gets to a place where it's like, you know, going into three months, then we have to start coming in and start doing some work. Okay, you know what I mean. Now it's like your emotions again if you don't understand what you're experiencing if you don't understand that you're grieving and you don't understand the process of grieving you're going to be ignorant to what's happening and then you're going to you know start going you know what i mean start making crazy decisions and then it just spirals out of control but i think the i think the first thing um with dealing with the breakup is acknowledging that you're hurt that's yeah, the first I mean, stage acknowledge yeah. that you're hurt sooner than later so yeah. do, you, do you believe in terms of confronting the person that hurt you or is it just an acknowledgement between yourself like I'm hurt I'm good or um, good question Mike I gotta answer um, I think I, I, I think I think I think it I think it really depends I think it's like if you had a con if you guys had a conversation and it was like she's like yo I don't you know I think we should be we should end the relationship and y'all have you know she gives her reasons and you you know you guys have your conversation I definitely think um it's better to just kind of grieve on your own now there's certain in certain instances where you do need to confront people possibly right um after you have processed of course right <laughs> <laughs> after you have processed and you got into a place of forgiveness now forgiveness does not forgiveness does not mean that you excuse the behavior but for okay. for you so that that person no longer has a power over you and that they, yep. that piece of your heart is no longer under their lordship right and I think a lot of people tend to forget that and uh, forget that a lot because they confuse the terms forgiveness and justice because when you get into those situations yes. you know, like the forgiveness is for you justice is you know for that person if that's what you're looking for but if you can actually yeah. forgive them like you said they're not excusing it you're able to, to kind of move past that and I mean I, like you said I think it's a little bit of both yeah, because in, in my experience, like, yeah, you have to process the breakup. You have to get to a, a, a space where you're okay. But I think confronting that person and kind of getting that out, 
um, it allows that healing process to go to the next step because you know you think about it you lost a piece of yourself you're yeah. basically trying to you know rebuild yourself hopefully you know maybe not all of us find ourselves in this situation but hopefully you have a a large sense of self where your foundation isn't rocked too hard that you have something to you know fall back on and you know you can continue to love yourself so that you don't do too many things right that are destructive to yourself but i definitely think that that uh that confrontation between whoever that par- person was is almost necessary to continue to get past that person yeah, right but it's but i definitely think it's like a matter of saying saying your piece about it but not expecting not having right. expectations yeah all right I got a question, man. Um, yes. Going back to how you know, like the suicide rate with our with our youth today, you know, like so, what role as adults, especially as as, as uh, you know, black males, what role as adults do we do we play in that? Because so often we tell people, we tell the youth, uh, you know, oh, y'all not really going anything too crazy, or like yo, y'all, uh, like yo, just just you know, like it's, it's really not that serious. You know, what I mean, you kind of downplay. Um, what they may be going through because it's like yo we went through the same things they're like there's nothing new under the sun you hear phrases like that all the time but uh, just because we went through it in the, in the light that we went through it everybody's different so what role as a, as adults do we play um, and like when when do we do need to, when do we need to be that stern like yo you know just tough it out it'll get better and when do we need to be that more passionate and, 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 and or um, compassionate side as well well I, I will I will ask you this so um, I definitely think being the example is, is paramount. So, like getting yourself healed is, it, you know, getting you know going through the process and dealing with those issues within yourself. I think is very very paramount. And also, like, I think it's important to understand your, you know, emotional intelligence works both ways, right? So it's being able to discern what's happening within you, and also being able to discern what's happening in another person, right? So I definitely think for us, what we can do is make ourselves available and make ourselves and just listen active listening right like active listening involves listening to what they say and listening to what they don't say right mm-hmm. going with your gut instincts and then also like i i would shy away from language like toughen up and why right? is it because they, because that's what they've been doing the whole time Mm. It sounds like it assumes that they weren't being tough to begin with, so. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that what they think tough, you know, what they think tough right. is. You understand? Yeah, the, the, their their they, definition they, of tough now is is like, like, like put on that shield, put on yeah. that armor, take it, hold it, and you know, just deal with it instead of. It goes back, back to what you said previously about uh, formulating their their mindset uh, in that in those beginning stages. Like what you tell them, what you're pointing into them, that's how they're building their their uh, vocabulary. But I, but I think with I think with us we have such a wonderful opportunity to be such to be such a different version of what a man is 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 defined as. Mm-hmm. Like we have the pop we have an opportunity as a generation of men to like really be men for our young men. Like and and what I mean by that is like teaching them how to be responsible, taking ownership for your life and the decisions that you make. And if and if you hurt, admit that you're hurt. If you want to cry, cry. And going through the process before them, but still moving forward—that's strength. You know what I mean? Like I'm down, I'm hurt right now, but you know what? I'm gonna keep going through. And I realized, like, just even my own personal narrative, like I was molested, I was bullied severely growing up, and I didn't realize that I had strength inside of me because I kept going. 
And there were times where I did want to end my life, but something inside of me just said, keep going, keep going, keep going. And here I am today, you know, one of the thought leaders on, on healthy masculinity, and I was attacked most of my life for my masculinity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's that's a compelling story, mm-hmm. man. I definitely appreciate you coming on the show uh, and, and enlighten, giving us that enlightenment, that, that knowledge. Um, I think we, we covered a lot. And I think one of the biggest takeaways or the big thing that we hit on so much today was that strength. And, you know, what is the true strength? You know, is it bottling it up and, you know, becoming a hard you know, shell of yourself and dealing with it? Or is it actually taking the time to deal with your emotions? And I think that's what we've proven or tried to prove to, to the listener today, man. Take that opportunity. If you're going through things, be more expressive. You know, seek that help. Look for ways that you can work through the situation that are beneficial to yourself and not detrimental to, to yourself. Absolutely. And definitely just, you know, and it's, it sounds cliche, but you're not the only one going through it. My... Um, it's a, a Bible study teacher by the name of Chris Birch. He says he says this quote that men scream at a frequency that only they can hear. And how true is that, right? How many <laughs> every brother on this thing, every brother on this on on this podcast right now can raise their hands to that. Exactly. So just know just know that you're not alone. Right. And 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 really it takes an act of bravery. But be brave, man, and just say, yo, I'm not well. It's okay to not be okay. It, it truly is. Most and of us are not okay. Right, right. Yeah. So, man, uh, before we move on to the other segments of the show, man, how can our listeners, you know, get connected with you if they're seeking some type of help? Um, you can check me out uh, on all my social media handles, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's Purvis Taylor. Uh, my website is www.purvistaylor.com, where you can also get my books, Purvis Principles, Volumes 1 and 2. And um, and if you would like to book an appointment, you can book via my website. Easy, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Um, where are we going next, man? I'm going to Fresh Jam or Arts Corner. I guess I got to take over <laughs> Arts Corner this week, right? Ooh, what what you got? What's really grinding your gears this <laughs> week? What is grinding your gears? Uh, man, I don't think anything's really grinding my gears. Um, ah, so I know. Um, this is crazy. So Saturday. Um, and it's just like a, a, I guess, a life testament. So Saturday, there were two situations at the job. Um, now, one, I want to just put this out there early. I wasn't supposed to work Saturday. I ended up switching with somebody to be able to go to this wedding for one of the bros and my lady's line sister on Sunday. So I w- originally wasn't supposed to be here on Saturday. Um, I go to work, you know, it's a long day. I'm closing myself. I'm the most senior buyer at the, at the job. And uh, we get the two customer service situations that come in. Uh, one of them is a dude, he came in earlier in the week, got his car appraised, left, everything was fine. Came in Thursday, got his car appraised, left, everything was fine. He comes back Saturday saying that he got his car appraised and there was uh, some issues with his braking system thereafter. Now, I know that there's nothing we do during the appraisal that is gonna wreck your brakes to the point where they're metal to metal, they're grinding like crazy. Like even if you take your foot off the brake and you just let the car coast, you hear the brake, the brakes like touching the touching the metal or whatever. And there are a few other red flags. You know, he came to the store smelling like um, you know, herbally, herbally fresh. He had some paraphernalia <laughs> in his car because I took a test drive. Man was medication and he, he was, was medicated. You know, <laughs> he, was, he was medicated. Yeah, when he, when he, exactly. yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, and he was acting a little out of character or whatever. You could tell it was something more going on. Um, so, you know, me and him go back and forth about, you know, the issue with his brakes. 
and his his story switches at one point. So he's just not at this point. So I know he's trying to get something out of us. So at the end, I'm like, look, man, it's really nothing, you know, we can do for you. You know, it, it happened because of your mistreatment of your car. Like it's it's wear and tear, it's maintenance. You gotta get your brakes done. And he's like, oh, so this is all your guys can do for me? I'm like, yeah, it's not our fault. Your brakes are done. Send him on his way. When I send him on his way, something like just was bothering me on the inside. Like it was like, okay, I, I don't know if I, I I did the right thing here, even though I know he's not deserving of anything. I feel like he's trying to get over, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that that situation ended the best way it could have ended. And then I'm thinking from a corporate standpoint now, I was like, okay, he's gonna go leave this negative survey. You know, he's gonna blow my survey up and then they, he's gonna call corporate and they gonna give him whatever he asked for anyway, right? So about 15 minutes goes by, I do another appraisal and then I just find his information and I call him. And I'm like, look, you know, we thought about the situation a little bit more. You know, he's a CarMax customer, so he's bought a car from us. So I'm like, listen, um, what we can do for you, we'll give you, you know, we'll look at your brakes, we'll set an appointment, and we'll give you the job if whatever needs to be done at cost. So we don't lose any money, you get a reduced rate, whatever. When I tell you this dude almost like jumped through the phone, like he was elated. Like I had just given him the best thing ever. And it was only just, you know, like a discounted break job. And here I am thinking this dude doesn't deserve anything. And, you know, he's just happy. He's gonna try and get as much out of me as he can, but he's happy with what I gave him. Um, and then there was another situation later on that evening where this customer, this couple comes in and their car, you know, we appraised it beforehand and just didn't give them, you know, enough money for the vehicle uh, at the time. And I was, you know, kind of adamant of re going behind my other buyer to check the car because, you know, there's a certain level of integrity. And, you know, when we're in, you know, the office, you want to kind of make sure that you're not stepping on anybody's toes. But when I go look at the offer and look at the data and everything, I'm like, ah, this isn't matching up. Maybe they are right. You know, they do deserve a little more money. And so I give them that, you know, I up their appraisal offer and they sell the comments. So I say, y'all, say, when you feel something in, in your heart and your soul and you know something isn't right or you feel like you, you there is something more you can do, just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's on your mind for a reason. And like I said, I wasn't even supposed to work Saturday. So obviously, I was there to impact those two lives for a specific reason. So that's uh, B. Jones's corner for the week. Hey, you have it on your heart. You're, it's on your you're mind. Right, you're go right ahead, man. Go on, do that thing. Exactly. Let it go and make it take you action. Are. You was right for that, man. If it's on your heart and your mind, I tell people all the time, don't second guess it. Just do it. If that if that means calling somebody, if that means walking down the street and knocking on the neighbor's door, it's on your mind, it's on your heart for some reason, don't second guess it. I agree. Let the church say amen. Amen. DJ. <laughs> DJ, <laughs> yes. be fresh. Yes. What you it's, got for us this week, man? It's ironic because uh, I think one of the points you were making was take control. You know, you need to take control, just like we were talking about Janet Jackson control the other week. Which you know, by the way, Purvis, yeah. we're not gonna talk about how some people on this call didn't even know sing that song. We, why, why you put yourself out there? I wouldn't even. I, I mean, I, I mean, like, why we, I try to be nice. I don't even understand who we talk about. Like, you some know people saying control, bro. I'm I absolutely one. knew who saying control. This is that propaganda machine we talk about. <laughs> yeah, fake news. It's fake news. I'm no fox in my on my Bible. But anyway, the song is called Control. The artist is Malik Berry. 
Um, oh, he was at uh, he was at Made in America. Yeah, they, they subbed him in for Whiskey. Word, uh, hey, great sub. I think he's actually from um, Miami area because I know he's of Haitian descent. But um, fresh jam of the week, yo. Here we go. Oh, don't do that though. <laughs> Hey, yeah, you say no one waste time. Oh, you say you want to take control. Yeah, you say you want to it's crazy, man. Like, you hear all these good vibes, and it's like the end of the summer, and you know, it's already getting darker early. It's like, geez, man, I'm gonna have yeah, to hold on to these. Dark. It's, gonna be, right, it's gonna be still summer in my head, man. I'm not gonna let it go. Hey, hold on to some. I think that's something that people don't do enough, man. Hold on to summer. Don't let just because the weather changes and things start to change allow you to get out of that space and that vibe. So that's why, you know, you bring control. That right there, you take control and you bring control and you go ahead and let Wait that right vibe right on right out. <laughs> that's how you bring Wait it right 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 See? Back. <laughs> I, I, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, yes, sir. So um, do you guys talk about current affairs? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to know what you guys thought about Kevin Hart. I don't oh. know the whole story, man. My lady was trying to talk to me about that joint yesterday. All I know is something. You're going to have to give me a story because I don't I, think I'm going to piece it together right. So basically, like a, a couple months ago, somebody had on their on the phone camera um, him in the car, allegedly in the car with another woman, right? While his oh, yeah. wife was pregnant, you know, back home. He okay. denied the rumors. He denied and said it wasn't him, blah, blah, blah. But apparently the young lady from that same as that situation must have had her own camera or recorded them in a sexual act and she attempted to extort. Hmm. Oh, they, they attempted to extort. Oh. Oh, Kevin, Hart, Kevin Hart ain't going for it. Kevin Hart ain't going for it. He took over the podcast. Yeah. He called uh, Kevin said, no, 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 no. Pineapples. <laughs> yeah, so he caught he caught into Olivia Pope, and now he released the video saying, you know, he made a bad mistake, and the girls trying to. That was okay. So that was the video I saw him talking about yeah, something. Him apologizing, he made a mistake, for apologizing something. to the world yes. or whatever. Uh, yes. So what what exactly is your question? I just want to know what you guys think about it as men. Man, so I'm a, I'm I'm really disheartened. Uh, one, no, no pun intended. No pun intended. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cause it's it's on your wife, your rib, who you were crazy, emphatic about. This is your rib. This is everything, you know. And a lot of people was trying to crucify Kevin when he left his children's mother or wife for this. And he person. was supposed to be with her while he was still married to the other two. And yeah, so he and, did. So he's he's showing a behavior he's already. Exactly, he's already habitually shown the pattern of what he's going to do. I think it, with with me, it's more um. Am, am I shocked? No. You know, I I I, I think that in 
I, I guess it's kind of like it's not that it's unexpected because his um how quickly he propelled in his success and like especially as long as he was working and grinding and kind of right. thought he had came to you know where he was um successful in his mind i think you know around the uh soul plane and everything okay i'm doing movies and i'm doing stuff that he thought he was good then and then all of a sudden he just <laughs> took off that you know that access opens doors and opportunities that you know just like he said he put himself in a situation he shouldn't have in the sense of as a, a man you have to be able to take the the onus and responsibility of all your actions and even just because you're uh, a superstar celebrity if you put yourself um behind closed doors with attractive females and no you know um inhibitions <laughs> and it, you know the possibility yeah, the po yeah it, it's just putting yourself in the possibility in of something situations. going down you have yeah. to be smarter it's it's totally um it's it's not that it's understandable but it's hey man if you make your bed like that you're going to you're going to ruin it and and being able to like i said that with great fame and, and, and power comes great responsibility it's hard to be able to go from the guy that everybody acted like was nobody to all of a sudden now you're the king and everybody acts like you're the man and it's that's that's a power trip in your head to be able to stay grounded enough to know that you're still as much as he plays the the talk of he's the same guy he's been the same and he he rolls the same way it's impossible because when you go from just being a guy to being the guy yeah it changes everything yeah i think it's interesting how so many people like there's great debate on social media they're like well he apologized i said well he he had to. Yeah, nah, he only apologized. And <laughs> he then, I mean, we find ourselves in that situation that, all the time. Uh, had right, yeah. had, had they no never dude. asked for money, he was not going it's to, the, that uh, was not going to be not, put on front straight. Yeah. He was going to do the so, same thing that, you know, um, a lot of influential, of every, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> influential and, and, you know, powerful men do of the, until you have a camera on me in the act, right. I, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I, it wasn't me. Straight up, Shaggy. It wasn't me. Yeah, it's the same concept. Like yo, like you're not sorry that you did it. You sorry that you got caught that you did. It. Yes. You know what I mean, like yes. you know, like he not he not sorry yes. that he. I mean, like I think he's like yeah, because he was. He is sorry. sorry he did it, but it wouldn't have come out if he hadn't got caught. That's what I'm like, saying. Like yeah. so, how sorry was he? You know, you got. I don't like, think he's as sorry as he's going to be yet. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. if, oh, he, if, exactly. he was truly, sure. if he was truly remorseful for what he for his act, then it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't have to come out the way that it did. You know, what I mean, he would he would already had this conversation with his lady. Well, I, I think it's the it's I the think, it's a monetary factor, you know, because he actually got the FBI involved because it went past it just being like a hey, you know, I want a couple hundred thousand dollars maybe to you know I want millions, and I'm not even sure if the female that is in the video is the one who is the alleged, you know, All person. Yeah, no, not the oh, not that the oh, person in the car oh. is the person who's trying to um get the uh what? the money. But also I heard I heard A that chick in the car um that that was like it was her and some other female like he was having a, a threesome, threesome in the oh. video that it wasn't yeah. just like him and hers, yeah. that it was a threesome video. Yeah. yeah. You're in trouble, brother. You're in trouble. It's about yeah. to go down. Yeah, that's so all one bad. Of, one of the biggest things, again, you talk about being from a man to being the man. 
what people don't realize is that once you make those moves like that, it, and it could don't have to be as big as the jump he made. It could be you moving up and you, 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 you was a worker to, to the manager. You don't yep. have to frame it as an entertainer. People are it's looking regular. for a way to move up from there, and they yeah, don't care station, about bringing you yeah. down. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Plus, you're public. People do public. this. I'm trying to grab <laughs> onto what you got up there. Pull myself I, up. I've done some TV. I've done just a little bit of TV, and bruh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> DMs, DMs is crazy from married women. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. You know it's crazy. So it's like you right, BJ. Like honestly, you don't have to be famous. You're just doing your. That's thing. what it is. As soon as you get that tape, really, it's it's, the, you're, you're the you're the come up. You're the payday. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's been like that for a while. But now with social media, it's even it's worse because everybody sees what you're yeah. doing. And it's, we're, it's a, we just think we're get we're we're doing something. You're you're just doing what you're supposed to do. But other people are saying, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm about to get him. Mm-hmm. I'm about to go get him." It's a They're plot. Sizing you up. Oh yeah, exactly. So Jay, yeah. you said something about the being sorry he got caught, or if he was really truly remorseful, he would have had a conversation up front with his lady. Um, and this might end up being tabled, you know, to the next podcast because we we going on about an hour now. Yeah. But I do want to respond to that because um, I think you gotta you gotta look at it if you've done this, and maybe he is remorseful. I don't know what's in Kevin Hart's head, but say you step outside of your relationship and you realize what you have done is wrong and everything, but you're still very selfish. Absolutely. You're still very selfish because you don't want to put yourself and that other person through that rebuilding process. Now, so that's when I, why I say, I don't necessarily know if he wasn't truly remorseful because I, I think you can be truly remorseful, but we as men, being emotional fearful intelligence. Of the, of the, yeah, the conversation. <laughs> okay, so what you're saying is oh, oh, You want to push it down, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You want to act like it never happened because if, if mm-hmm. it didn't happen, it didn't happen, you could, Suppress well, it's, it's you don't you, you don't know what the outcome of that conversation is going to be, but I, and it's better to you don't. One hundred percent itself. But I, think, I said that. But I think Ian hit the nail on the head. Like, there's so many things. Like, you used to be the guy that people made fun of. Now you're that guy. So that's 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 you know trauma right there. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to outlive that. It could be let me sleep with as many women as possible so I can show y'all I'm the man. <laughs> yep. So that's what the, the fame. That's what I was gonna say. Is that fame yeah. is when the 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 outer voices can outweigh your negative thoughts of yourself. When you get to the exactly. point when everybody is telling you how great you are, even yep. though you're sitting there like, oh, well, I didn't think I was great at this. But yep, you are the greatest. You are the great. That that's what it comes, and and you start to right. you know I lose that you. consciousness. So, but, but my question to you, uh, uh, B. Jones, yo. So if you step out, right? Mm-hmm. And you 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 realize I made a mistake. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, uh, but you so you say to yourself, I will never ever do this again. Mm-hmm. Is that a pass to not tell your lady? Mm. Say say again. I think Kevin Hart was trying to get in again. Well, I said, is that, is that is that a pass to not tell your lady because you tell yourself? Is it a pass? 
It's absolutely. because you because you tell yourself that I will never do this again. Nah, it's it's absolutely not a pass. So, I'm just in the mindset of I'm I'm trying to be in the mindset of, of the. It's the a, and it's it's I think a lot of things that um Purvis has said today, especially with you know dealing with issues, it's a, it's a you know it's not a one one shoe fits one size fits all uh, type issue, and so I think it's also about understanding and knowing you know your partner and and whether or not you know the ramifications of how you know off handle they can get with them with that situation if you know that you made a mistake you know that was you know a true one-time thing that you you are hoping you know you're not going to be put in that position because because the fact of the matter is (laughs) even if you say i'm i I open the door and i'm gonna close it that door can never really be be closed that it it will always stay cracked it will 100%. Crack now. So 100%. How can you say well, never again? Here's the thing is like, it's better to tell before you're found out. It's better to tell <laughs> than to be found out. Oh, oh 100%. Exposure and, versus, you know, you and being we live, a, we live in a receipts culture. Receipts uh, culture. Yeah. So ain't, you nothing never, ain't nothing saved. So it, it's like, it, you better it, tell you, before it come out. When you transition from being reactive to proactive, you're in control. Absolutely. <clears throat> no. Leave it on that. Leave it on that. We don't leave it on that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can get connected with us. You can follow us uh, on Facebook at Fledgeology at 13th Floor. Please check us out on Facebook, Instagram as well at 13th Floor. Please. Reminder, this pro- podcast is brought to you by the motivators at Fledgeology, where the mantra is leap, grow, fly. But that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Purvis, thank you. Thank you again thank you for coming and spending time with us on 13th Floor. Thank you, brothers. You the first guest to not try to complain about the furniture. We appreciate that. (laughs) That's what it is, man. So we done here on the 13th floor, ladies and gentlemen, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views views are amazing. Hollow. Now, your time. We're going to learn today. We're going to learn today. All right, all right.